On this week's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if Javicia Leslie fills Ruby Rose's Batman boots, if Bughead and Archonica switch partners, and if that's the way they became the WandaVision bunch. All of that and more on an all-new Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host of this episode. And today, as host, and today, it is my job to lead us through all this TV. And today, what's really important is that we have everyone in the studio. It's packed here today, and I got my two friends that are going to help me do this, but, uh, you know, he's back for another week. You can't keep him away from a mic that long. Ryan, you're here. How's it going? I, I, I mean, I, you guys did a good show last time without me talking, so why do I have to talk today? You guys are so fucking successful without me last week, then I'll just sit here silent. In fact, Mike, how many emails did you send me? Oh, oh, sorry, he hasn't been introduced yet. Oh, so sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. How, how many emails did the uh, surprise guest today send me saying, oh, yeah, it was nice to be able to talk on last week's episode. Uh, it was like 17 a day or so. So you know what? I'll just fucking sit here silently for the next hour while you guys work your magic. Okay. So Ryan, today, are you telling us that today you would rather us do yeah. a bad job today? Also, Cassie, are you sponsored by the word today? And do you get paid today, every time you say is it? Is this the Today Show? I'm trying to take it over. If I say today enough, then we get the rights. So thank I- you for helping me on this mission. I did notice last week, uh, I did listen. You guys did a wonderful job. Um, but And this is, welcome. what I'm about to say is definitely, uh, did Cassie say thank you and Mike say you're welcome? <laughs> Great. And that's uh, a good duo. That's our thing. Uh, this is definitely, this is something that we should talk about off air, but I'll do it on air. Um, last week's episode of X-Men was insane, guys. It was insane. And I took a mm-hmm. shot of whiskey every time you said insane, and my liver fell out of my butthole. So... <laughs> And again, you're welcome, if I could take Mike's <laughs> phrase. Thank you. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, Ka- uh, Cassie, I thought you did an incredible job last week. Oh, my God. Oh, thank no. you. Okay, That and is I'm, very kind of you. And I mean, uh, careful eared listeners are noticing that I am only saying Cassie did a good job. Uh, I have been recording. I've been doing podcasts with Mike for decades, since 1936. And I have never heard someone get him to open up like you did, Cassie. Mm-hmm. Um he, I just couldn't believe it. So, uh, as a gift for you, because you did such a good job at hosting Cassie, I made you a drop that oh I'm going to send to you for so you can use next week. I'm going to use it tonight and whenever okay. I want, and then you can use it for the future. Do you guys want to hear the drop that I made? I would love to hear a little preview. Oh, uh, yes. just, just Mike summing up Mike because Cassie is such a good interviewer. <laughs> Hold on. Here's the drop. I'm fat, so I burp and fart. <laughs> I've never heard Mike surmise his life and personality better than I'm fat so I burp and fart just just incredible work Cassie thank you I, I'm fat so I best. burp and fart people are worried uh, 
how the state of interviewing will go because Larry King died. Rest in peace, Larry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we have a new one in Cassie. <laughs> yeah. My goal is to get everybody to say that phrase specifically, and that'll be my thing. But uh, I believe have- it, it's been a while since I heard the episode. It's been a week or so, but I believe uh, Cassie said to Mike, Mike, what makes Mike Mike? And Mike responded with, I'm fat, so I burp and fart. <laughs> and like, normally I have my show voice on, which is kind of this uh, more tilted up, but that, that was me being me. <laughs> That's just the full real At your Mike. fattest. Just talking <laughs> straight through my throat, nothing else. But yeah, I guess that could be your introduction. We haven't introduced you, Mike, so welcome to the pod. Oh man, once we're in like a full wrestling ring when we do the shows back when COVID's <laughs> over, just to have the the tuxedo ring announcer before Mike comes out, just yell to the crowd, who's fat because he burps and farts? <laughs> the whole crowd goes, Mike, 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 Mike. I can't wait for this to be your legacy, Mike. It's going to be huge for you. I can't wait. I'm I got it, so I burp and fart. <laughs> I got to tell you, out of all the things that could be my legacy, this is not one of the most embarrassing, so I'll take it. That's all we're trying to do here. And what else we're trying to do, we're going to try to talk about the new Batwoman today for the main event, and then we're going to talk about some other shows. But first, we are going to talk about Batwoman. <laughs> I'm fat, so I burp and fart. On the season two premiere of Batwoman, we are introduced to our new Batwoman after Kate Kane is believed to have died in a plane crash. This new Batwoman, Ryan, comes across the suit in the plane wreckage and decides to use the suit in an attempt to change her social position from being another black woman who is just seen as a number in the system to get justice for her mother's death and gain her life back. Unfortunately, Alice and Tommy are severely messing up her big plans with their own big plans of murder and becoming Batman. Taste buds, I ask you... After this first introduction, how do you feel about our new Batwoman? I'm like, let's make a pact and try to just compliment Ms. Leslie without shitting on Ruby Rose. We can compliment without (laughs) insulting. I've been told that that's a thing. I've never done it in my life. Yeah, I think you're wrong. I think that we can't. But uh, should we try? Because Superhero has been pretty, this podcast has been pretty clear on our feelings towards Ruby Rose's acting style. Mm -hmm. Let's just compliment uh, Javicia Leslie and as Ryan Wilder. I think she was awesome. Uh, First of all, general incredible way to come up with the character's name. Uh, act, best actor of all times, first name versus, and then their best character's last name. Ryan Reynolds, Van Wilder, mm-hmm. Ryan Wilder. There it is. There you go. Mm, there it is, as Cassie <laughs> says. Uh, she, the 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 balance beam she walked of being so delighted to find all those wonderful little toys. Uh, and was excited to become a superhero and how intense she was when she was talking about her past and her mom and everything. It, it all felt natural. It all did feel from one actual whole person. I mean, we can talk about this episode in a second and how what a roller coaster of emotions it was and really a bit whiplashy as far as the, the tears to the laughter going back and forth. But you cannot say that Ms. Leslie didn't pull off every single thing she was asked to do. Right. Like, the the tear scenes worked, and I thought she was g- genuinely funny, and I never thought that we could watch a, oh my god, I'm getting used to my powers scene again, and not roll our eyes, and I thought it was great, and I thought she did great. Wait, what she captured there that so many people don't is, it was delightful and surprising every time she did something, versus normally, in a movie, it's like 10 minutes of that, and then they're never delighted again. 
when yeah. she's Batwoman, she's only having fun and is surprised what she can do. <laughs> yeah. Which, Which is, is so on DC light too. Right. But with a suit with that many gadgets and stuff, it would be nonstop, like, holy shit. And I'm so glad she did. But she also has, like, this natural coolness to her that helps the character mm-hmm. so much. Like, when she is just, like, her protectiveness over that plant, I would, like, I felt, like, the need. I Like, I would cr- kill no! for that plant as well. Well, <laughs> she fully punched a human's face off because of that because plant. Because of a plant. So, yeah. <laughs> That's why they call it a power plant. I uh, the the twist here, oh yeah, guys, sorry about missing last week. Uh, the twist here too is instead of, like, we've watched three Spider-Men at this point, know that they can spin webs, but like not be able to. And the twist is she can only, you know, like every time th- there's uh, webs and wires shooting out of everywhere and she just swings <laughs> around even when she doesn't want it, which is way funnier. <laughs> yes. And Ryan, you said you wanted to talk about just the amount of drama in this episode. Was it is was the average episode always bringing this much, or did they just have to like try to piece together so many storylines that it had to be extra dramatic? Or not okay, I feel drama stories, but like you know they had to introduce a whole character and kill one off, which is a big task. So, I mean that's a lot to do in an hour, and I feel bad because when we talk about these CW shows, we're typically like, can something happen? Is there any way that like <laughs> a thing could happen in the episode? And so I feel bad saying uh, too much happened. You did not appease me exactly what I wanted. Um, I would say that the back 30 of this episode, back 35, was actually really good and well-balanced. I liked the amount of plot and action and stuff. The first five minutes, that was the whirlwind. Like There was flashbacks and flashbacks and flashbacks, and it was, it was crazy. It was insane. They, they know, drink, they know that this might be pulling a lot of new people in, so they're like... Instead of just like starting from scratch, they're like, well, then we should do a flashback of the whole last season, <laughs> uh, which we don't need. Just start a new story. I think Ryan Wilder has had uh, has witnessed the death of seven different moms, and we saw yeah. all of those within the first five minutes. That's the, the, so when we meet Ryan, she is, I think we fully know she's sleeping in a van, and mm-hmm. then we like go into her brain, <laughs> and then she's dreaming, and the music in the dream is so happy. You know her life is bad, even if we didn't meet her while she was asleep in a van. And if you, if you didn't watch it, the music of the dream is Slipknot. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, happy music <laughs> that we don't want to hear. Uh, and then, yeah, just like she lost her birth mom, her birth parents. She lost her adopted mom at, while getting oracled. Like she fully got beat to shit, almost paralyzed. Uh, there's a point. Her. Yeah, there's a point where eight or nine fully grown men are kicking the shit out of her. Like that's a lot of dudes yeah. to be kicking you. Yeah. And. Yeah, six at most. Uh, and then we find out what, what it's like. I, I think it's smart. They're like, how are we going to tie any of the emotions from the first season to here? Is, uh, well, it was Alice's gang that killed Ryan's mom. Of so course. there you go. The bet, the main baddie stays main baddie. And watching Alice go through, Kate died, but not the way she wanted to. Her too. Is, uh, she was going through a lot of stuff there. And, and then having all the sidekicks go through. Like, I thought all of that worked very well. It was, I was impressed that they were able to, like, with the writing, so they were able to keep the baddie the baddie. And also, like, I felt like it was a pretty good way to write off, like, a character not being there. Like, it was, they made it work in the overall story, which was a bigger, it was more than I thought was going to happen. I thought it was going to be some insane story, and it wouldn't make that much sense, but it was all logical. It was all right there. Yeah, sometimes they'll, uh, they'll convolute their way into nothing you know like if we make this so complicated then people won't know what anything that we're doing uh but this was right i didn't put it together i don't know how when you guys did but i didn't put it together that new batwoman 
plane crash, two wildly separate things. Ryan, wildly separate things. Oh my God! Original Batwoman was on the plane. Of course she was. Of course. And they're pulling in. There's an even scarier. Who, who's worse? Like you always need to up the ante every season. There's a new big bad that our old big bad is scared of, mm-hmm. and that's who killed Kate Kane. It's, All of that, yeah, it, it's logical and it fits. How long do you think we'll have until? So this episode set up like it was pretty known that like she died in that plane. But I'm assuming they're gonna have to do like a big full like we'll have like a funeral and everything. Like how long until you think we get an official announcement, or do you think they'll ever like do a real official announcement? I, I mean, like, do we think that Ruby Rose is done done, right? Like, I is there anything, is there, I mean, Michael Keaton's about to be Batman again in a year or two. <laughs> like, is there any such thing as done done? I bet they're going to do whatever they can to be like, she's dead. And the only Bat Let person more beloved than Michael Keaton is Ruby Rose. So the, the, you the, can't the bat lose family. that. That's who you think of. <laughs> um, how do you guys think the CW Batwoman will handle Ryan's backstory? Do you think they, they are a show that can pull this off? I don't know if the writers can, but mm-hmm. I think Leslie can. Yeah. Her her speech about, like, uh, I'm not special, and here's all the reasons I'm only a statistic. Uh, I mean, right place, right time. They knew when they were writing it. But it really highlighted how we've only seen all the other superheroes on the CW do go through traumatic stuff. But we've only seen wealthy, well-off uh, people mostly white and then black lightning, but like people who are deal with superior stuff. And this is the first time somebody's like, fuck every system. I'm going to be a hero because of that. Oh my God, Mike, you just made me realize why this works. Ryan Wilder is a Marvel character in a DC universe. <laughs> yeah. Ruby Rose was DC as fuck. Uh, statuesque, can't act, awful at her job. Uh, Ryan Wilder is like, uh, has a backstory, is a person, has doubts, you know, all insecurities, yeah. all those things that we attribute to Marvel. And now we get to watch her be in a DC world where, she, where she's like, I went to my therapist the other day and every other DC character is like, what the fuck is that? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, DC's just stuck in the 50s. Yeah. It does also <laughs> At have... the most modern. It has this feeling where like, you know, she was struggling like, am I worthy of this suit? Like, she did so many great things. Am I a great person? And it was like the argument, like just seeing her on screen, I was like, D- you're way better than her. Like, hell yeah, you're worthy of this suit. Like, t- but get it, girl. I, what was awesome, and again, it just feels like more nuanced than the whole last season, is there's the one-two punch of a, uh, I'm more worthy because she was a rich white girl. Mm-hmm. And I'm as worthy to live up to what she could do because she went through the same struggles. That we're both queer. And so there's... There's the competing with the past, and then there's the finding the connection to the past as an inspiration at the same time. Yeah, I, I mean, it. it's not super original, but the the back and forth between them learning about uh, Ryan Wilder while Ryan learns about Kate Kane, mm-hmm. I thought that worked really well of them, like, like yeah, I'm not a hero because I'm flawed, and I can't be it, and oh shit, she's flawed, and, you know, like, uh, and then is that, did they also learn that the both are gay at the same time? Yeah. Which I don't know well, what I don't I don't know I don't know what news clipping that. had that. <laughs> well, it's uh, yeah. She learned that Kate Kane uh, in her alter ego, not Batwoman, but Kate, opened that bar. She opened the gay bar, right? And they do have. So, um, like she, I've obviously I'm here for the actor playing Batwoman, but there is like I'm playing catch up with all the other dynamics here, and it doesn't seem like anyone really clicks with each other. Like, do you guys like any of the combinations? Like, I know, like, is it Luke and Mary who are the two in the Batcave? I feel like they are the two who are supposed to have, like, the strongest connection or the best one, and it still feels a yeah. little off with them. 
I, I like Luke and Mary and what, what seemed part of it. And again, not watching so much of last season, but like Mary was not on the team for a lot of it. So I think she could be nowhere there. And both of them seem very unsure of their own roles still. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the not clicking, I felt that way. I don't know. I felt so much more warm towards this episode than I thought I would be. So I did too. Not a lot. I, that bothered me. I've watched multiple episodes of this show, the first season, and there were se- multiple scenes in this episode where I was like, who the fuck are these two people? I like, I don't know who's talking to who right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I gleamed what I could and moved on, you know, like the show didn't make it imperative for me to know, which may be mm-hmm. bad, but was good for me watching it. Um, but lots of, lots of two characters saying, man, I can't believe Kate's dead. And the other person, I wish the other person had been like, who the fuck are you? And so that they could have explained, <laughs> There is a, we do, I am enjoying uh, her sister. I is her real name Alice or is she just Alice in Wonderland as like her code name? Beth is her real name. I Beth oh, we need to talk about Alice. Yeah, we do, man. Her, her coming in, like you said, like, cause her sister didn't die in the way she wanted. So she was in full mourning because it wasn't the death, the way. Because I wanted to wanted. kill her. <laughs> it was amazing. But it wasn't, she wanted to kill her. She wanted to trick their dad into killing her. Right. And then she would reel herself. That's awesome. <laughs> she had two she had two absolutely incredible moments. One where is it her boyfriend is is now Bruce Wayne? Tommy Elliot, yeah. Hush. Hush is and but like they were were they together like boinky boink, like penis and vagina? I, no, I thought she was <laughs> as you eloquently say, boinky boink, penis and vagina with the dead guy mouse. <laughs> dead mouse. Okay, but Thomas Wayne or Hush was definitely her underling and now yeah. he's getting too big for his britches. And uh, Thomas Wayne in Wayne Manor uh, has a girl come down and Alice just murders her. Like, um, just sees her and just <laughs> throws a fucking sh- razor boomerang right into her throat. Um, and, but I, I think the moment of the episode was Big Daddy Kane, uh, Kate's father, comes in and is about to kill Alice and she's just like, Kate was Batwoman, you fucking moron. Do you not understand? Do you not? Can you Please, do you understand? And Still, Alice is... I, I get why Alice is a villain. She's so frustrated because of all the fucking morons around her. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is... I'm enjoying her character, and it's easier, I feel, because she gets to play such a big character who's so off the rails, but, like, mm-hmm. I, like any storyline like that, it's going to be good. So I, I do enjoy her performance, too. Yeah, her... The, these kinds of villains. Her and then, I think, Tommy Elliot, or I do, like, the smash together, Thomas Wayne, not the father. Uh, they're both big and broad in really fun ways. Mm-hmm. Uh Oh yeah, and for him to be like, "I want to be evil Batman." Do it, man. Let's do it. Every <laughs> go for it. It gets full telenovela, which is exactly where CW shows should be. Anytime anybody says anything to Tommy Elliot, he stops and looks away, and the music swells, and he has a thirty-second flashback to something before he responds <laughs> to the person who asked the question. And the person who asked the question just has to stand there, being like, "What the fuck is going on?" Uh-huh. <laughs> And we did, the show did get a little darker than I thought when she straight up, as we mentioned earlier, punched his face off. Like, that was (laughs) insane to watch. Did not see that coming. Yeah. Um, And this, all last episode, Ruby only read or rode a motorcycle, right? So this is the first time we saw Batmobile? Yeah, uh, Luke Fox even said, I didn't know that was even in here. Mm-hmm. Tommy just assumed it would be and started blowing up walls of the Batcave until he found a car. <laughs> I like that stick to itiveness. It, it felt like a video game. Like when you're playing Batman in a video game, you just have to shoot at shit until you find what you're looking for. Uh-huh. Is every Bat story, like, can you just, is it told by its Batmobile? Like, you could just tell exactly what kind of show it is. Like, do you guys think this mobile fits this show? 
It's like a souped up Fast and Furious car, basically, right? Yeah, it's like a Charger or something. It looks it looks like a two thousand like a kind of earlier newer Corvette, but not the coolest one. And I <laughs> I I hope they do more with it because like right now it looks too chunky. The body kit looks like it was just haphazardly thrown on there. But I think they do do more to it to make it fit her. I think she gets to do some customizations to it, and then it looks better. So I'm excited for that. I hope the customization. Montage? I hope the customization is just from the the hood or like the the, the front lights, just having a big red wig cover the rest of the car, <laughs> <laughs> like a monster truck vibe. I'd be so into that. Yes, um, we are almost out of time though. So you guys, you know, I have to ask you: Are you in for the rest of this? Did you like it enough where it will bring you back? Uh, okay if if you guys commit i'll do episode two next week is kind of insane for us um but I'll, I'll put it this way next time we all three cover batwoman is the main event i'm not sad which i think yeah. is a huge leap from season one yes yeah i'm gonna try to keep up with it i know we have a lot coming back but until this lets me down i'll stick with it i have a question <laughs> for you guys is this orson wells's favorite version of gotham because now this Gotham is a city sans cane. Do you? Do you know what to do here, Mike? I I would move on to the next oh, segment. I'm Great. Fat, so I burp and fart. <laughs> that is all the time we have to talk about Batwoman. It is on the CW. Uh, coming up next is our pull list. We are back for our pull list, where we talk about all the other shows we watched this week. Starting it off is Riverdale. On the season premiere of Riverdale, we have not jumped forward in time, but instead pick up close to where season four ended off. Archie still wants to join the Navy, but obviously has to box in order to do it. Betty and Jughead are on the hunt for the person making videos about them, so they have no choice but to make a snuff film. And Veronica is running around fixing everyone's lives except her own. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Did this feel like a throwback to the crazy fun days of season one? Or is this bull, as the weed smokers say, cashed? I think this bowl might be cashed. Uh, if you're bringing K.O. Kelly as K.O. fucking Kelly, are you shitting me right now? Star, then uh, you're you're in. It's. I feel. Uh, we'll get this to Sabrina in a bit. I feel similarly. Where like at this point, so much is going on that when they care about high school stuff, it feels so dumb. Uh-huh. And I know that's what we generally love. We want to see our superheroes have normal lives. But I think you can do that with romance because you still care about your interpersonal relationships even though your lives are online. You probably don't care about prom if somebody's murdering and stalking everybody you know. Uh, K.O. has a moment where Archie's like, look, man, tomorrow night I'm going to beat your ass. But tonight, me and Veronica, two high school students, want to show you a night out on the to- town at Veronica's speakeasy that she owns and operates. <laughs> And K.O. looks up and he's like, what? Her like, what? what yeah. <laughs> that is the best action K.O. has done is because he acted like a normal person hearing that another high schooler that he knows has a speakeasy. Also, when Archie said he could stay with him, I assumed it's because everybody in Archie's family is dead now. Yeah. K.O. would have a bed. No. Before a giant fight with the other person in the room, K.O. just sleeps on the ground. <laughs> it's, it's where he feels best, I can only assume. Like I feel like he picked that. Oh, no. I mean, if there were a hundred of the most comfortable beds ever created in the room, he would sleep on the ground because he's K.O. fucking it Kelly. Makes, it makes him <laughs> tough. Do we, are we going to get K.O. a lot this season? So he's in the box like him and Archie going? No, he's gone. Damn. Yeah. He's gone. He, he beat Archie's ass. Even though I didn't know, box, based on all the boxing movies and shows I've seen, I didn't know it could just end because they were out of rounds. Yeah. I thought, mm. I thought you Almost, had to beat, I think I most had to K.O. somebody. Boxing, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would think with his nickname that he would K.O. or at least 
Kelly, someone. But uh, most, I think, boxing matches end in that when like the twelve or ten rounds are up, and then the judges have to decide. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're boxing because Veronica decided because both of them apply. I, Archie apparently applied to the Naval Academy and then revoked it, and then is trying to reapply. And the commandant's like, "Well, since you applied, we only have one spot." And I'm looking at this boxer from Philly, and then Veronica's like. Let's box this out because that's how you get into prestigious schools. I well, would have made this episode better if Veronica looked over at the wall and there was a poster that said "Exhibition Fight This Tuesday." In parentheses, could be if you make it right now, <laughs> prize money colon entrance to the Navy question mark. But it's okay that Archie might not end up in the Navy because uh, Hiram Lodge, who is getting through his cancer, we're led to believe through his own flashbacks due to vigilante activity yeah. is making him less sick. Uh, he offered this 18-year-old to be the deputy, deputy mayor. Yeah. And Hiram Lodge is definitely sick, Mike, in case you doubted, because Hiram told that to Veronica. Veronica got up from the breakfast table and right in front of her father called the doctor. And the doctor was like, yeah, he's sick. And then she hung up the phone and she, uh, Veronica was like, okay, I guess you're sick. Like that all happened in this episode. <laughs> well, no, that's okay. You're getting better. Because he hit his sickness before and was working out with Archie. And that, that was big drama last year. In the meantime, uh, he, he pulled off one of his legs and used it as a toothpick at the breakfast table. That does not mean you're getting better. <laughs> no, I think there's an issue there. Uh, I also want to so more high school stuff they probably wouldn't care about at this point. Because they know they're being watched, but they just don't care. They being uh, Archie and Veronica, they're leaving that to Betty and Jughead. But... Veronica finds a crumpled up guitar song, like the the tabs in the trash, and is like, sing this. And Archie's like, no, I stink, and so does this song. (laughs) Because it's the song he wrote for Betty. I totally agree. Like, if we went to one of Archie's shows, that's what we would chant. You (laughs) stink, and so does this song. (laughs) And then when they go to this high schooler speakeasy, but hold on, like, surprises. The song is about how much he loves and misses Betty. And I think Veronica knows that, but Archie says, oh, no, I don't want to do that. And Veronica's like, straight up, okay, cool. Then let's never talk about it again. You're off the fucking hook. But wait, is he? Because then she sings that song (laughs) at the speakeasy while he's in the crowd. That's my savage bitch, yes. And so Veronica says, you know what? I'm going to... Is Veronica testing him? Does Veronica know this whole time and is just like throwing out uh, parachutes for him? I think our Veronica, which is like season one, would have definitely known all of it. I think this Veronica was dumb. And until he said that song's about Betty, you idiot, she did not know. So Veronica, when they're dancing, Veronica says, I'm going to delay my first year of college to be with you. And then Archie says, I love Betty. Yeah, he ruins their prom by saying, I love Betty, even though Betty's off hunting stalkers. And stoic diplomatic Veronica, who really was, the if we're doing Riverdale Awards, the MVP of this episode, just yes. sits down with Archie and says, well, let's not ruin Betty and Jughead's relationship. Let's just fake it for the rest of the semester, and then we will be on with the rest of our lives. You, There can be other reasons you break up other than your best friends did stuff together. <laughs> like, it's it's insane for these kids to be like, I guess we got to pretend to be together like they have kids. For instance, you break up because you stink and your song stinks. That's yes. That's why I would break uh, up with you. Why did I break up with Archie? Thank you for asking. Uh, he stinks, his song stinks. Uh, the the Should- Jughead Betty stuff. Okay, so let's get to this. Uh, Jughead and Betty get wrapped up into a world of um, underground film slash raves. And if you ever... Classic film festival slash rave. If you were ever wondering that this is just a bunch of straight, white, older men writing this, the 
mixture of underground film slash uh, I don't know uh, raves. That's that. This is what we're doing here. It felt like a cutscene from Blade Trinity. <laughs> like this is where he starts hunting vampires down for sure, and that's what a lot of the extras acted like. And each room is a different kind of gang somebody would have to fight in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, much like my high school experience, um, Veronica brings. I'm sorry, Betty brings a video of the Black Hood as, as a child. A because they, they, they did film a fake snuff film with Cheryl, and Vampire Steve from iZombie, who plays the guy who owns Blue Velvet Video here, he's like, well, this is fake. You got duped, or you're being you're trying to dupe me? And they'll, and Betty, surprisingly, even Jughead's like, what about this tape? It's not snuff film. It's just a adult woman turning a five-year-old into a serial killer. Vampire Steve from iZombie, uh, who I would say is a lot like a French actor, in that he's acts like French Stewart. This is basically his whole stick is that guy from Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, not 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 a welcome addition to this episode, but yeah, he no? he knows when your snuff film is fake or not. Yeah, that's the kind of master snuffer he is. Uh, is there any other big dynamics or any? Uh, there was a lot that happened there. It was. I want to get if we're running out of time. I want to get to the school dance, Mike. When will television and these uh, old white male writing staffs understand? That high school dances are wall-to-wall hip-hop and not the hits of 1986. What yeah, the? F- this is still to this day. The soundtrack to their prom. You know, <laughs> Sixpence None the Richer has not played at a prom in 15 years. And I'm uh, sick of every prom thing we see. That's not true. Leaving. They play at proms live all of the time. This is the only way that they make money. <laughs> and then the snuff film... The fake snuff film of all the Archie like faux masks gets played, and instead of uh, people being horrified that somebody got murdered on screen at the prom, they all start dancing. Yeah, wildly. let's just rock out more because crazy <laughs> shit's going on. And people, people after the prom, they're like, "Why are you crying right now? Was it the fucking insane videos that were shown and all the fucking hooligans that ran in and danced?" And they're like, "No, I stepped my toe." Uh, real quick, do we think that Cheryl and Tony uh, are they broken up? Are they done? Is Cheryl just gonna sit on this? Cheryl, by the way, who. Whose I'm dream sure. is to not be a prom queen, but to run unopposed as prom queen yeah. and scare she people off. For daring to to run, and then she's like, "I need my royalty," and calls up everybody but Kevin to go dance with her. Oh, <laughs> you know? no, she sucks, Cheryl. man. That's such a bummer. She used to be so good. I hope they're done, though. Mike, I know that you've been in and out and on and off and on the fence with the show for a long time. Uh, if you're if you no longer have time for Cheryl, then you no longer have time for Riverdale. Like you got to bounce then. <laughs> What, what I don't have time for is that they let her grow until the moments they need her comedic relief, and yes. they could just write in more interesting mm. ways. Right. Because the, 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 her speech to Kevin, there's no way anybody would just be friends with this woman, mm-hmm. and they just keep letting her slide by with things. And I mean, you can see in Kevin's face him thinking that exact same thing. Like, yeah. Why am I friends with this person? And then Tony sits there like, eh, Cheryl, Cheryl. And that's yeah. We're we're supposed Tony's supposed to be like tough and independent, but she lets Cheryl be a psychotic bitch all the time. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I'm tired of shows leaning on and actually real people leaning on is my family said blank. Fucking fuck everyone's fucking family. If your family yeah. ever says, "Hey, you can't be with this person," or "You can't love who you love," fuck your family. Get them out of yeah. your life. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, all right, we are about out of time, so we're gonna go to moments of the week. Ryan, what is yours? I got two. Um, Cheryl is leaving for prom and, uh, her old ass grandma on a wheelchair says, uh, <laughs> asked if she could take a picture, a prom picture. And Cheryl says, uh, sure. Perhaps your camera will capture the sublime tragedy of my life. And the grandma says, 
oh, okay. <laughs> like just <laughs> shrugs her shoulders and takes a picture. Because that's what living with Cheryl is like. You just have to that's deal with her screaming that shit. <laughs> and then my other one is, I cannot believe that Riverdale listened to this podcast and uh, is stealing your shit, Cassie. But at one point, Veronica said to KO, Kelly, and Archie, your closing line. She says to those two what you say to us at the end of every show, which is, now it's straight to bed, my burly boys. And (laughs) Cassie, that's your shit. They they just stole that from you. I'm getting no royalties from that. I'm coming after it. You should have trademarked. Put it on t shirts. Our street name, the street name for this podcast is Cassie and the Burly Boys. And Riverdale (laughs) just fucking took it. Fuck. Uh, Lesson learned here today. Mike, what is your moment of the week? Uh, my moment of the week, so Betty and Jughead are going in all the different gang rooms of this rave. I think most people just think it's a rave. Some people are there for the snuff films. Uh, and then they find the one that's all about them. None of these people are dancing. They are all standing Blair Witch style, completely still, and just shoving Jughead when he tries to talk to them. Uh, as if they knew that Betty and Jughead were going to show up that night. Uh-huh. Or maybe it's in their Saturday night, stand and do nothing with my friends in too loud of a room. <laughs> like, it was it was so absurd. All right, Riverdale is still at it. Uh, it is on Wind- Wednesdays on Netflix now. Our next show of the week is Sabrina. I'm fat, so I burp and fart. In the sixth and seventh episodes of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina's fourth season, the gang goes up against two more eldritch terrors, The Returned and The Endless. The Returned are the dead of a Greendale who need to be appeased, including a metal band Satanic Panic who Harvey's dad used to play with, which of course leads to a Satanic Battle of the Bands. Meanwhile, Sabrina Morningstar is in the other cosmos dealing with an endless life of being the sitcom and having her life dictated by faceless writers, which is what old panelist Greg always would say... Riverdale will turn into the chilling adventures of Sabrina actually turned into it this week. Taste buds ask you this. What sitcom would you want to be trapped in forever? Uh, Sitcom? Well, define sitcom. Does sitcom mean three camera laugh track or does Parks and Rec count? uh, Parks and Rec can count. Uh, So Sabrina Morningstar is trapped in what is a blend between ABC, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and Chilling Adventures. It's all the stuff and moments from Chilling Adventures, but with the old school Hilda and Zelda and a laugh track. Oh, and a talking Salem. Yes. Uh, okay, so my answer is clearly step by step uh, as the stepbrother because all three of those girls were smoking hot. And <laughs> I also find stepsisters in general smoking hot. So I would porn hub my way through that family so fucking hard. Well, yeah, and Suzanne Summers is your stepmom. You'd get there. I would have a room full of washers and dryers for them to get stuck in. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Just like in old Looney Tunes, all like the bear traps or rakes that cartoons would step on. Yeah. Your step family. They avoid one washer, they get stuck in the other dryer. <laughs> And just to offset Ryan's terrible thing, I now have to go with Seinfeld just because I've never seen an episode, but I've heard nothing happens in it. So I need to make sure that nothing and happens. You love bass guitar riffs. I love that shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, like you said, so this these episodes had Battle of the Bands and Talking Salem. Am I a huge fool yeah. for not watching these? Yeah, I, I think this is... Again, I think this season's probably the best Sabrina's been. It's insane. Uh, they are also going through The World Is Ending, but why don't we go play songs with their friends, which is dumb. But the Battle of the Bands is Satanic Panic, which is this metal headband that Harvey's dad used to be in. So we get to see a flashback of Harvey in 80s punk gear. The full name, is of, cor- the full name is, of course, Satanic Panic at the Disco. Yes. <laughs> and But when they play the music at the Battle of the Bands, which Lucifer is the shirtless MC to. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> 
they it's just butt rock it just sounds like fuck. it's so bad like they're supposed to be 80s hardcore and it sucks uh and then harvey and them sing a very soulless version of time warp though robin the hobgoblin mm-hmm. does a killer riffraff he wins oh. out of all of them for their impressions theo as uh clementine no who's the the gal who's in all gold Theo could not handle those bars. Is That's it, supposed no. to be fast and punchy. Is it just like Jeff Buckley's Time Warp? Yes, it's Jeff Buckley's <laughs> Time Warp. And then, uh, for some reason, part of the big trick of the Battle of the Bands to win is Sabrina and the Witch Friends uh, from the Witch Academy. They sing I'm sorry, Child Witch Academy? But the Witch Academy. <laughs> uh, they sing Seat Child of Mine, and there's nothing more cringe-inducing than Sabrina trying to be like a tough like 80s metalhead front woman. Uh, no. It was awful and just a very fun way to watch. And that's only one episode. Again, yeah. the other episode, we get a talking demonic Salem. Does demonic do- Salem? Yeah, he's he's the one of the Eldritch Terrors, and he's the head writer of the show, so he gets all the quote unquote best lines. And to watch this other actor do his impression of the old ABC Salem's voice uh-huh. was delightful. <laughs> do, is there an intentionality with cringe? Like, do people who like cringe comedy equally enjoy unintentional cringe? Maybe it was literally like I closed my eyes and I can't remember the last time. <laughs> but what 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 felt bad is both Sabrina and I think Kirna Shipka, whatever her name is, think they look so cool in that moment, and nobody's like, oh, as they should be. Do you know? I uh, I have another job. Uh, last week, and this is gonna make this is gonna have Cassie show her whole ass. But last week, Cassie uh, <laughs> promised you, Mike, that uh, she was going to be on this season of Sabrina with you every step of the way, and. Uh-huh. I ha- and is uh, fucked up this week, and I have her saying that I'm fat, so I burp and fart. Cassie, Did you press the wrong button there. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mike. I'm sorry that I let you down like this, my friend. I I do feel bad about it because this these sound like two delightful episodes. It seems like well, peak dude, Sabrina. Me and Cassie have a decision to make this week because the Sabrina finale is our main event next week. So are we going to go back and watch everything, or are we just yeah. going to? Watch if, the finale. If you have to choose, skip set, uh, skip six and just watch seven. Because the whole, she's stuck in a TV show, she knows it, but nobody else does. And the rules they start to create, like everybody's stand-ins, because everybody sleeps in the studio, so their stand-ins sleep under their beds. Oh. It's very, it gets very That's not bad. You. That's not bad. Uh, the head writer of the show, when things start to happen, his powers would be like, and then they stumble, and then the person stumbles. Uh, it's, it's very goofy and very fun. I do like that. Yeah. Uh, I have two moments of the week, both from the second episode, because I already said my moment of the week from the other one is Sabrina trying to be tough. Uh, there is Salem is very serious and says something like, and then we might all die. And the camera just zooms in on this mop head of a puppet's face, but as serious as it ever has. And that <laughs> juxtaposition was awesome. And then there's a certain point where Nick is covered in blood and has glasses on. And it is the sexiest this show has ever been. <laughs> All right. So we learned a little bit about Serena, a little bit about Mike tonight. <laughs> he is in only jeans, and his torso and face are just covered in blood. That's Nick what I B- want to know, shirtless or not. So thank you for answering yeah. that question. Nick Bakai is a like uh, pretty, I don't know, affluent TV writer. And he's the voice of Salem. Like I don't understand, unless he feels like this is like a ripoff of his legacy, I don't understand why they couldn't have gotten him back. Yeah, maybe he just said no. He could. Yeah, way to have integrity there, Nick Bakai. <laughs> uh, if you want to watch it and join Mike, who is watching all of these, it is on Netflix. Our next show of the week is WandaVision. The third episode of WandaVision takes us to the '70s television and gives us more information than the first two episodes put together. 
Wanda is getting more and more pregnant by the second, and by the end of the episode has given birth to twins. In all the wacky craziness, Viz, it's Viz, by the way, guys, it's not, uh, Wanda in the show calls him Viz, it's Viz, okay? Okay. Viz and Wanda both still find the time to realize that all is not what it seems. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Did we need this jump in the amount of questions and answers over the first two episodes? I think so because I've heard the internet is dumb, even though this is the most highly rated thing Marvel has ever done. There are idiots who deigned to say the first two episodes were boring, and to them I say, fuck you. What do you need? Cities about to hit the ground all the time? Uh, Okay, I I would say that I did not love the first two as much as you guys did last week. And I, I, I do think that it's because of my, like... I grew up on a certain type of entertainment that I now fucking can't stand, which is just uh, 30 minutes of bullshit, unentertaining garbage in order to put commercials in, right? Uh-huh. Like, it's basically all TV pre-Sopranos. It's, like, it's really, really bad. And this episode had less of it, but we still had that fucking stork running around. And it, mm-hmm. it's a drag. I don't want to watch it. I hardcore disagree that it's a drag. I think it is... <laughs> I loved that shit then, and I still do. And I think I think the, what helps make it work is the big two, uh, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen. Marvel and DC. Marvel and DC crush every era they're given mm-hmm. and should be slapstick actors. Like, they are awesome at this stuff. Oh, yeah. Last week, I think, Mike, you said that you just didn't know that Elizabeth Olsen was capable of this. But just, yes. she, yeah, she shines in every moment. But it's still, plot-wise, it's still a lot. Yeah, it's goofy as hell. But like, it's been, what what I think makes it work even more is uh, the creepy stuff underneath because she's trying to hide the stork from Geraldine. But then we get those moments of the neighbor just song through the wall because he's so scared of something but won't say it. Like all that stuff makes the wackiness like hit in a different way. Oh, when we go to Twin Peaks, like the stork stuff, I want to get through, and it's because my heart, I can feel my heart when the neighbor is sawing through the wall and uh, Agnes and. Herb are talking to each other and uh, Wanda is like screaming at Geraldine because she just she knows about how Pietro died like yeah and but like then it's like slow paced and I'm freaking out like I'm palpitating yeah but I think the the goofy old sitcom stuff balance be or you need one to have the other I think so I think it makes both of them stronger yeah I think it heightens the thriller one because it takes you from such like you can go to the mind numbing and then to like oh wait no there is actually like some crazy shit happening here where like so it's like the intensity between both are really helping I've got two questions I've got a question for each of you one Mike how much are we supposed to say what we think is going to happen based on all of our uh, our lifelong research uh-huh. and Cassie uh, you don't know anything about what's going on right not really. So how did that ending hit? When uh, Geraldine, and mm-hmm. that's all I will only refer that's to her. That's all we know her by right now. It can only be Geraldine uh, gets thrown out of quote unquote WandaVision and into the real world. Like how did that hit? That was that was crazy. First of all, that transition from like the like 80s full screen to widescreen was rad. Oh yeah. yeah. Slow was- and creepy and like horror movie style. Yeah. That was yeah, my rad. wife was like, is this screen moving? Is it is it wider? <laughs> and like we like in the last year we covered the movie Defy Bloods that did that yeah. all uh, at, at the same time but that felt like a homage to like it felt like Spike Lee's love of movies as opposed to this <laughs> creepy slow moving ooze yeah. out and then in you know. Mhm. But it did like so I mean it just left enough intrigue for me to like try to figure out what was going on 
Because there's a lot. So for me in the story, I can't tell like Wanda definitely has power over it. But it also seems like this agency must have power too. Because there's that moment where... You're saying the agency must have agency? Yes. But, uh, you know, Viz starts to like mention that there's something off about this place. And it kind of just gets reset. But not in a way that it's like Wanda. So yeah. I couldn't tell if at the end, if this agency was the one who did, like, is in control of that as well, and she's working for them, or that was, like, a, I don't know if she's a rogue agent or with them, so for me, it's just a lot of intrigue. Geraldine? Geraldine, yeah. And and, and, the, and then the way Herb and Agnes know stuff is up, and the yeah. doctor seemed to, when he's like, small towns, you know, so hard to escape. Uh, <laughs> wink, 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 wink. <laughs> the, it's... The people also aren't on Geraldine's side. Mm-hmm. They they seem to be more on Wanda Vision's side. They're like, yeah, something is crazy. Not you guys who are one of us. Ger- like, yeah. so it's like, who's on what team? It seems to be there's more than just Team A and Team B. There's a lot going on. Yeah, I I do, I do think that Geraldine is uh, Geraldine works for Sword, but doesn't. I think that is the most likely thing right now. And she got launched out. Do you guys think that she's the villain? No, I don't think do we- so. Do we know who Geraldine. the villain is? Yeah, Geraldine. I, I I think there's a lot of arguments for Wanda. Like Wanda will be the she, villain by the end of this. Yeah, but I do think there might be. There's been some hints, uh, and may like who knows, right? Red herrings and all that. But like, I'm putting all money on red, and by red I mean Mephisto. Because <laughs> yeah, uh. If you look at above Wanda's eyes, she is a red herring person. She does have red hair. Is that what you think mm-hmm. is going on? Yeah, so she is the red herring. But like the way the bunny's name was Scratch, uh, Big Red is what fucked up Vision. Like I think it's. Did you, I think the devil is in the details. Since you guys also a quote from last week. Uh, since you guys uh, had watched the first two and recorded that last week's episode, did you guys uh, read about the bottle of wine in the dinner making episode? Mm-mm. No. So, so when Wanda, so in the fir- I think the first episode, right? Classic sitcom, got to make dinner quickly, and so right. all of these things are moving around. And the one of the bottles of wine says uh, it's called Maison de Moupier, which is French for House of Misery, aka House of M. Ooh. Does that mean anything to you, Cassie? That that's the only one I know where she can control, like she controls the universe or whatever. Not universe yeah, is the right one. She made a whole one, new reality. Yeah. yeah, that's that's all I know of that one. Really, she can't at the end of the say no more mutants because there are no mutants. Uh, so she can say only mutants, yeah only mutants, mutants, and then that's how the X Men show up. <laughs> Do what we... what the fuck is going on right now? What are we doing here? Snicked. <laughs> Bam. Question that I'm real worried about. So I know in the comics she does have kids. Is it only in the House of M she has kids from her like creation? Or she yeah, does? I mean, before the reason that she goes in, I mean, she's always borderline insane, right? Mm-hmm. If it's 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 hard to have it's hard to be like an alpha alpha. Like she is the most powerful think- person in the MCU. Uh, yeah, to be able to control reality, I think, would fuck with your mind a little. Because even if you're not meaning to, you're probably always going to assume you might be accidentally. She, yeah, she, she sort of, if she were like able to control everything, she sort of has the powers of Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet, but she doesn't have the Infinity Gauntlet. So if you're, if you're like that, you're always about to lose your mind. And then for somebody to make you think that you had babies and then tell you that you do not, that's how people no. flip out. Yeah. 
Wow. I am very excited for this whole show. I do want to see... So this was the first episode we got in color. And, you know, it was the black and white with the pops of red, how we talked about last week, really helped with, like, mm-hmm. the thriller moments. And from how you guys are talking, like, I didn't feel like it lost any of that thriller or that, like, no. keeping me on the edge of the str- uh, my seat at all. And these two actors look great in any era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited yeah. to see every hairstyle they go through. Hell yeah. Uh, we are almost out of time, so we'll do moments of the week. Mike, what do you got? They, I'm, I'm just going to go classic sitcom moments of the week uh, that, that got me was uh, Dottie, who rules the neighborhood with an iron fist, asks her husband, do these earrings make me look fat? And then because Wanda's powers are going askew, the whole neighborhood loses power, and the guy just goes, oh, thank God. Uh, <laughs> Into the camera. Looks directly <laughs> at us. Uh, and that, that tickled me. Yeah. Oh, Ryan, what about you? I got a big one, a little one. The big one is anytime that you can remind me of Pleasantville. And I think that this show yeah. is paying homage without like copying. Like, I think Pleasantville should be canonized. I think it's one of the best movies of all time. Uh, it should be up there with uh, Orson Welles' favorite movie about Batwoman, City Sands Kane. I don't know if you guys remember that from uh, like 20 minutes ago in the episode. <laughs> Shit, that's hilarious. Ooh, ooh. I'm fat, so I burp and fart. Uh, I think, said Orson Welles famously. I think Pleasantville is an incredible movie. But for my moment of the week, I'm going to go with uh, Geraldine, a.k.a. something else. Nobody knows. Um, is offered fruit, and she grabs an apple. And if you take an apple from a bowl of fruit... You cannot take it and bite it. You must throw it up in the air, like two inches, catch it, and then bite it. And she kills it. That is how you that's how you live on a sitcom. <laughs> she does do so good. I also have like a sitcom moment as my moment of the week. And it is just like I know you hated the stork, Ryan, but when the stork matched up with the painting on the wall, come on. How <laughs> yeah, can you not? No, that's a good that stork was trained well. Uh it was, was that so good. Was was that like a pro life message about no matter how hard you try to wave away the stork, it's coming and you should have a baby? I don't I th- I think it was just a hint that maybe like if you are thinking Wanda's fully in control, you're wrong. Yeah. Buckaroo. Just guys, wait, buddy. Wanda's gonna fucking lose her shit, guys. This yeah. is gonna be insane. Very excited for the <laughs> horror movie finale that we're gonna get. Uh, I'm gonna I'm bummed that I know that she's in Doctor Strange too. You know, like yeah. that means that it's gonna be okay. But like for right now, I'm fucking scared. Is it gonna be okay, or is she? Is she the bad guy? Continue on the bad way. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, you should be watching it. It is on Disney+. Plus, and that is all the shows we have to watch this week. We got a little bit more time here. And I know, Mike, I got your advice for some website last week. But, like, having Ryan back on the show, it made me realize that I need to rank, like, all of his good puns and everything. And I'm going to work on a website to do that. And I can't – I didn't write down the people you said last time. So, like, I again, I just went about on WordSpace. So – WordSpace, a very own new creation website. I went on that one. So it's so looking you, real you good. you made a website to create a website? Yeah. And you if, made WordSpace, which is a, a website builder that you've designed. And, and I, if I may, I would like to it. say that I took Cassie under my tutelage about a year ago. And I think that we can see the proof. When you mess up, don't apologize for messing up. Claim that you invented something new <laughs> with that new word. And that is your, that you did that. That's, that's wonderful so, work. I guess, do you want advice then on WordSpace or on your pun off I guess it probably was need WordSpace because this was I was trying to like fool everybody this is actually going to be an ad for my WordSpace I'm trying to get the word out Mm. there about how good WordSpace is um and it is trying to make space to get the word out yes exactly and I feel like it's pretty easy to use uh I have no templates I will not help people at all I kind of just leave like kind of code tips up there kind of like a jigsaw puzzle like figure it out or don't See, I think that works for like code heads. I assume they like to be called. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
hackers. That type. But I think for, for most folks who want a website, they need it to be easy. They, they want those templates, but they don't want it to look the same. So maybe they want custom templates, uh, easy to edit fields. So it's not hard. You don't uh, drag and drop tools, all the things so you don't have to actually code. Uh, and that's don't go to WordSpace. I'm sorry, Cassie. I know we're trying to pump that out, but Mike. nobody should go to WordSpace. They should go to cybersprout.net because these folks will actually help you. They have training. They have all the tools you need. They have a support field, and it makes it makes it all a breeze. Well, okay. I don't like that you took over my ad for mine for a company that's easy to use and helpful, but I guess that is how this is. We are now out of time. So uh, thanks for that, Mike. You, I'm, I can't wait to talk to Ryan again because you know what? Well- well, what is it? Because Cybersprout's awesome. Because so Cybersprout.net and Cybersprout, they're your partner for a digital world. What is WordSpace? What is that like slogan? It's your space to put your words and nothing else. I do love that. <laughs> yeah, not bad, right? Okay. So um, I'm in competition. So we'll see which one ends up being better. Uh yeah, I guess so. But coming up, we don't have time to see that right now. Uh, we're going to go to Xtaz. Welcome to Eggs Tasmania, bitch. A mini show within a show where we take an in-depth, episode-by-episode look at Fox's seminal and underrated early morning soap opera from the mid-90s X-Men, the animated series. On the season one finale of X-Men, we see a scientist's worst nightmare as the robot creations known as the Sentinels gain sentience and start their move to take control over the human race. A plan that begins with capturing all political leaders and taking their brains. Luckily, the X-Men, along with the help of Magneto and Professor Xavier flying a ship filled with explosives, are able to stop this uprising and save the senator, resulting in a pro-mutant stance that allows Beast to be freed. Taste buds, Professor X starts us off with saying that an anti-mutant fever can sweep the nation. What would be the cure for that fever? Uh, TNT. It's a plane full of TNT. <laughs> it's apparently. Like, I... Out of all the things for Xavier to come with, like this rationalized man who I thought was a rational man, and he was like, I have other things to do. And it is grab a plane, grab all the explosive in the area. His greatest power is to make people think he's a serious person. (laughs) But then how he tries to solve every problem is filling whatever vehicle tits top to (laughs) explosive. The only way, and like this show is obviously the greatest show of all time like wire get the fuck out of here the only way that this first season could have been gone from the best show of all time to the even better show of all time is that every time uh we see the x-men and the blackbird it's still filled with tnt that would not be explained until this last moment of this episode but that's the end of the episode let's get to the beginning the beginning so you know it starts they're kind of talking and then we cut to magneto who has captured the senator and is trying to kill him uh and by the way by the way, it has peeped in on every single second of the last episode. They show a bunch of yeah. scenes from the last episode that you guys covered with Magneto just in the background going, Hello, I'm watching. <laughs> well, he's just like us. He's just munching on popcorn. What if it, Jubilee fell asleep? What if it cut to the other side from Magneto's point of view and it was you looking through the window <laughs> watching the X-Men? Whoa. That would have fucked you up. As a kid, that would have blew you guys' minds. It blew mine right now. I would have killed uh, myself because nothing tops that. (laughs) With the fight of the Sentinels versus Magneto, for a second, I did have my little kid brain on and I was like, fuck, this is a plastic uh, Sentinel. Like, this is going to, like, Magneto's going to kill this dude. Or the Sentinels are going to, like, own. 
I love that the the Magneto's like, why didn't it work? And the Sentinel answers him. He goes, well, yeah. "This series is made of plastic, not metal." Why? Why reveal that? They just <laughs> there's like a second where the the Sentinel and Magneto are just chilling, like they're yeah. just hanging out, being like, "What's up, bro? I think what what do you think? How, how do you think this is gonna work?" Also, how have you fucked with the X Men in the last month? <laughs> Cassie, I wanted to ask you something because Mike and I are so used to these designs and these color schemes. What is it like for you? to see Magneto and the Sentinels in basically the exact same costume. The same exact purple, the same exact maroon. Like, it looks like that they ran out of colors when they draw these characters. <laughs> it it does, but, like, I'm fine. It's a, it's a solid color palette, so I'll allow it. I, I did not get until rewatching it now that my two, my two favorite colors uh, for ever have famously been purple and maroon. And right famously. Now, is it clicking in? <laughs> uh what a what a X Men villain head I am! How awesome would it have been if you dressed like them, walked into that scene, and just been like, "Yeah, how do we kill the X Men guys?" Yeah, <laughs> fuck these guys, right? Wolverine's a jerk. I do like so they save Kelly, and Kelly is a little upset at all of them, and uh, Wolverine's like, "This is the thanks we get." And Xavier goes, "He was kidnapped," <laughs> like to Wolverine to show like. And let's be specific here. When Mike says Kelly, you're talking about Ko Kelly from Katie Kane, yeah is a senator uh-huh. in this world and he <laughs> hates mutants and he's like i'll punch the votes to victory uh wolverine is in true asshole form he also says when they go to investigate uh gambit jumps a little bit at half a sentinel and wolverine's like typically it takes a whole sentinel to scare people yeah. and, but then it stays on gambit and gambit doesn't say anything he just looks so sad like <laughs> he got so roasted and we get to watch him go oh <laughs> he, he just wants a friend and to be accepted uh and for some reason he doesn't take storm storm is nothing but nice to gambit and none of that he really you find out he, all he actually wants is cyclops and wolverine he just wants the boys to accept him and they refuse and doesn't have the high basically gambit is us when we were 10 or whatever he thinks that wolverine and cyclops are cool he needs to right. grow up and learn that actually storm might be the cool person he he's he's us when we were 10 because he thinks they are cool and he thinks, well, I don't really have a personality, so I'll be an asshole and dress weird, and that will make people like me. <laughs> while while reading his Spawn comic books and throwing his Shadowhawk pogs. <laughs> uh, before we get to all this, I do have to go back to uh, when we get Magneto. Uh, we the, the X-Men come on the scene with Magneto. Just for the decision of them to say, like, you know, he got caught up in the debris. And uh, the only thing shown is his abs. I just want, I can't move on yeah. without like them like they cut up his shirt just at his abs and to let you know Magneto is fucking shredded. He's so but, um, defined that he just flexed a little bit while on the verge of death, and it just blew up the dirt on top of the abs. Yeah. Well, that's that. There's been all those think pieces of like uh, Scott Lang played by Paul Rudd is just a criminal. Why would he be so ripped? Isn't that mm. like, oh, how are all these super... It started in the cartoons. Why this is is this old man who can control metal? Why would he ever do a push-up in his life? <laughs> uh, did we explain why uh, Ryan Wilder... Like, did we... Oh, go, did she go through, like, worst. Uh, aerobics classes or, like, gymnastic classes or anything? Well, I don't know why anybody's hiring her, or not hiring her, when she, you know, owned a, a dojo for years. <laughs> <laughs> Four years. It would, she had a great business going. Uh, but yeah, back to X Men. So you, they do. They bring Magneto back to the mansion, and then they scan uh, Gambit's mind to get a hold of this guy who the scientist who created the Sentinels. The best Hell way yeah. to find out this information uh, because uh, Gambit's like, "Well, I was at Genosha. I sort of remember stuff." And instead of just like talking it through with him, 
Professor is like, no, nah, I'll go. And Gambit's like, please don't go too far back. Uh, it's just Gambit looking at pictures of Rogue jerking off. I, <laughs> looking at pictures of Rogue jerking off? Yeah. <laughs> you heard him. Uh, I, I cannot believe in these 13 episodes how many people that hate the X-Men, the X-Men have brought straight back to the headquarters, the secret yeah. headquarters, yeah. to help just- recover. This is where we live. It's not really a school. That's what's awesome about this as a season finale. They rescue Senator Kelly, who's only tried to hate them for how they were born. And then they rescue Magneto, who hates them because they don't want to go. Like It's just them rescuing their different villains. Because they weren't born enough. Uh, Let's go through uh, Gambit, uh, his Genosha, shall we? And uh, next week when we do the the season one wrap-up, I do want to... Uh, have an award for like most random Marvel character because we have uh-huh. we have Bishop Belladonna, who is I believe Gambit's wife. Uh, Rogue not jerking off, which okay, cartoon <laughs> way to be not realistic. Uh, Gyric and Ghost Rider. There's Ghost Rider. <laughs> okay. Look, uh, we we can't fit kids in a video game in this episode. We'll just have Ghost Rider show up. But that's what's awesome about that. It's not just the nerd thrill of seeing him. It gives Gambit, like, I would now watch a Gambit prequel TV show. Like, <laughs> did he fight Ghost Rider? Or was he on a team with him? Or he He's read a Marvel cool. comic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he saw the Nick Cage movie. <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, this takes them off to Genosha, I believe, is where they all go to find this guy. And then uh, that's when we see that the Sentinels have gone full rogue. Uh, yeah. Jerking off. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're back to Master Mold, who, again... Uh, is uh, the shape of a sentinel who creates sentinels, my favorite thing. Um, all toasters should be in the shape of bread. They create toasted bread. Uh, and they should also have the ability to fight, shoot lasers, even if they will never be designed for aggressive. Did he do that to himself? At a certain point, Master Mold starts fighting everybody, shooting lasers out of his hands. Did Gyrich do that? Or was Master Mold like, well, I want the laser hands too? It's dumb. He's a, a factory. Why would he have lasers? Well, there's a couple things about what should have happened, Mike. He should have shot sentinels out of his hand that shot lasers yeah, yeah, that were sentinels dope. out of their hand that shot sentinels. Oh, shit. Also, why is Master Mold, if he's such a Master Mold, okay, uh, shooting them out of his chest? They should. He should have his legs up in stirrups yeah. and shooting <laughs> sentinels straight out of his robot vagina. <laughs> but, and, like, this is the greatest... I, I think you guys said last week was crazy. And I think that, sure, Days of Future Past, part one and two were fine. But this episode was fucking nut sauce. And I think it can all be summed up by Master Mold out of nowhere saying to his uh, plebeians, you remove Senator Kelly's brain and replace it, and replace it with uh, a computer. Not a computer. Like, like, like what? Is, like just a, a Linux-powered... A Dell laptop. Like, Game a Game Boy. Boy. Like, what does that mean? A computer in 1990s? I like... They, I don't think it's supposed to be like this, but we get basically a doodle-doo, and Master Mold just zones out, thinking about all world leaders of this happening to them. <laughs> He's just like, what if? Pulling... No, like, perform surgery, pull the brain out, put a computer in the head, and then now they work for us. And- Is it because a 80-foot robot who births other robot wants to be under the radar? You could just take over. This is so convoluted, Master Mold. I do want to. I want My favorite quote of this episode was actually not from the episode, but uh, my wife, as she was walking through while I was watching this, heard Master Mold say, take Senator Kelly's brain and replace it with a computer, and said, I wonder why a generation... Mike being the poster child is afraid of a robot takeover. <laughs> My wife Stephanie directly blames 
Mike, quote unquote, Mike's generation's fears of robots taking over on Master Mold's ingenious plan of taking Senator Kelly's brain and replacing it with a computer. That's why. I'm not sure about getting the vaccine because I think Bill Gates might be the real life master mold. And he might, if I get the vaccine, he'll replace my brain with a computer. <laughs> the whole time watching it, I was just like, I was so worried about Mike. I was like, oh no. Well, how could how, this be yeah, it, it's not just this, but like, yeah, I, I watched every episode as a kid two inches from the TV. It is the <laughs> Sentinels other reason I fucking hate robots. Sure, you put your penis up against the screen and that's how far back you are. <laughs> I'm fine with mutants, and everybody the mutants have always represented. Every marginalized group, I'm fine with them, but they taught me the wrong lesson of hate this other out group, the robots. Hey, Cassie, you ever heard the term, uh, doth protest too much? Here's what I'm thinking. Uh-huh. Mike's brain has already been replaced by a computer, and he's try- <laughs> this is his cover-up right now. No. No. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't see that me. argument coming. <laughs> All right, you guys, so we do have, you know, this master plan going on. So obviously X-Men got to come up in here. But first they have to decide who can go on this mission. And this is when we get the most dramatic mission call. What the fuck the was this? This I was don't know why it needed to be a stand-by-stand moment. Like I will go on this suicide mission, and then yeah, left it to everybody kissing. else. Yeah. All right. First of all, before a baseball game, it's not like the manager's like, "All right, we have one of our 162 games here. Who will come with me?" And then one at a time, they <laughs> all said, "Would it be way more thrilling?" <laughs> the the manager just says, "Wired every time." Who's coming with me? The manager just says, "Hey guys, we have a baseball game right now. Let's go play." And then they all go. The, the swells of music and everyone looking at Gambit. Like, will he get over his fucking fussy little <laughs> attitude? This was insane. Oh, shit. I'll drink. And then we get <laughs> Jubilee with a full breakdown of, like, she oh. needs, like, her full cry of, like, I should go on this mission. I was like, again, you slept on the last yeah, one. You, you, you took literally a baby's nap on the last mission. <laughs> you so. don't deserve this one, kid. <laughs> but, she, yeah, she, she is, like, because th- she's the only one that, who won't go. She's like, I'm not a kid anymore. It's been two months. She is now 16. She's like, I'm one of you. I'm one of the X-Men, and it means more to anything. And instead of being mocking, Wolverine, like, grabs her by the shoulder and gets very, like, almost tears and goes, it means a lot to me, too. <laughs> but he, the only reason he did that, like, he doesn't care about Jubilee's life. The only reason he did that is to make Gambit feel worse. Like, he, that was all just a card, quote-unquote, to play. Also, all of this was, uh, I don't know, previewed, because previously on X-Men was just six minutes of Jubilee napping. And so that, that's what we were to expect from this episode. Uh What's great, what is legit great about this episode is it does start to complicate the villains, not just because Kelly's like, you guys saved me. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Magneto. Magneto. They're all just like, like, "Uh, we're going to do this. Just hang out at her secret mansion. (laughs) And then he goes, you're all fools. Heroic (laughs) fools. Like He's almost jealous that they have the balls to do this. But the delivery of this goddamn line is Ian McKellen, like Shakespeare, you're all fools heroic fools just absolutely wonderful magneto he would be so cringed if any of the x-men heard him admire them out loud yeah like jubilee missed the plane and she runs out and she's like what'd you what? say it's like oh what nope nope nothing shoes untied oh i, I have a booger i'm gonna fly away <laughs> but uh so you know they do fly off in that moment they get the slow cap that her- that intense moment from him on, on the send-off and then um they so their plan is to they split up they have a distraction team which consists of 
Rogan Storm and Jubilee, but they only mention that Rogan Storm. I don't. They don't know how long they can keep the Sentinels like distracted. While the other two well, just go grab the senator or the other ones. Jubilee at a certain point gets fully snuck up on by a sixty foot robot, and Rogue mm-hmm. has to save her. So they know. And again, they have their two flying distract, and they just assume Jubilee will find a safe place to nap during all of this. <laughs> they brought a sleeping bag in a tent. Uh. <laughs> The yes. Sentinels are dumb because how, how this all kicks off is uh, there's like one of those like construction cavern elevators. Mines. Gambit puts one card, a mine elevator. Gambit puts one playing card on it and hits down. And then the Sentinels are like, what is this object? <laughs> and then the other one's like, it appears to be the Ace of Spades. You've taught these robots <laughs> games? <laughs> Not strategy. Not strategy <laughs> or like this unknown thing who definitely shouldn't be here is probably dangerous. But you definitely did teach them games, and then it blows up in their stupid Mike, faces. don't be a fucking asshole about this. I know that every time I come across a new object, I put my face as close to it as I possibly can, and I hope for the best and pray for the worst. <laughs> we got that going on. And then in this moment, for me, like I thought Professor X was like, I have my own mission to go on, and then it, his mission ended up being the same mission. Or was he all along supposed to be coming? Because this is when I, he shows up at his plane full of like explosives. His favorite thing is to leave his students and teammates in the dark. He just fucking gets mm-hmm. off on it. And I think he didn't expect to live through this mission. Oh, really? You don't <laughs> fill a vehicle with that kind of stuff and expect to live through this. So I think he's just done with all their infighting. And he's like, I'd rather be the Jesus Christ of mutants than the Martin Luther King of mutants. <laughs> Which is, it's a weird right direct now. quote. I do have to say, though, that um, this is... This is probably one of the first times that we've seen all like nine team members in the same episode, this uh, except for Beast, uh, like fighting. And this fight against the thousands of Sentinels was kind of fucking sweet. And they found out that yeah. like they figured out a bunch of different things to do once the fighting goes on. Even Jubilee did some damage. They learn how to work together. And one of the dopest things is uh, Wolverine tries to save Gambit. He like shoves him through, and there's those doors closing. Gambit runs back in, and then there's all these glowing red eyes. Like, thrilling. That was a then, good shot. That's an awesome shot, and you know, great commercial break. And then when we come back, Wolverine is shirtless. Him and Gambit are just like, yeah. oh. Gambit still has his full-on trench coat, but Wolverine has no clothes left on him. And they are just like uh, sitting on a pile of robots. Well, Wolverine's shirt chafed, and so he had to take care of that. Mm-hmm. His nipple started to bleed. Probably by flexing just a little bit harder than he usually does, and the shirt just <laughs> shot off. Uh, yeah, so we have, you know, this whole fight going on, a lot of great moments, and then once we get to the inside, we see that the scientist dude, like, is starting to turn on the Sentinels, and it took this whole uprising, but he, he was still trying to talk to, like, Master Mold and was like, I don't understand why you're doing this. Like, don't you, let's well, talk again. Always level with the giant crazy robots. Always be like, what's up, bud? Do you, let's, uh, let's crack open some beers. I made you. You're my Frankenstein's monster, if you would. Uh, what I love is Master Mode breaks down the racism. Yes. He's just like, mm-hmm. he's like, well, he's like, you're supposed to protect humans. And he's like, you're not being logical. Mutants are humans. And you watch the guy's face crumble. Yeah. And he's like, therefore, humans have to be protected from themselves. And Trask is like, you're getting to real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He didn't respond like most conservatives, which is like, shut up. You're stupid. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Master Mold sort of is the biggest or the best civil rights leader for mutant rights in the show so far. In a way. Because he's like, he's just like, well, you're all humans, so I'll kill you all. But no, I mean, isn't that, isn't that the message? Like, mutants are humans, therefore I'm going to kill all humans as well. And that's what we're going for. Sure, 
that one's a violent message, but the underlying message of the message I think is is good, right? We're all the, the- same. And gosh darn it, if if Gambit and Wolverine can can team up and Kelly and Trask can come around, can't we all just hug in the words everybody of- who raided the Capitol? In the words of the late great Mike Ravagno, it's us against the robots. It doesn't matter who you are, mutant, human, race, sexual, sexual identity, creed, it doesn't matter. It's us against the robots. Mm-hmm. Unless you've ever worn a red baseball cap, and then it's me and the robots against you. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, so it they did go against the robots. They brought the whole factory down on them. It was insanely dramatic, but it doesn't kill Master Mold, and that's when Xavier gets to shine. His whole plan gets to come through with his plane going against this Sentinel. And he does eject a seat right out at the last minute. Yeah, which is my favorite part of the episode. He eject, and he's just calmly, in the most calm parachute ride of all time, calmly saying, well, that worked. I wonder where Magneto is. To himself, he's not like psychically linked into anybody else. He's floating through the air saying, I wonder where Magneto is. And then Magneto shows up. But who the fuck were you talking to, Professor Xavier Charles? Well, look, he's always in other people's heads or in his own head. It's just so nice to get a break. No, it's him alone. He just talks. Yeah. Uh, the worst part of this whole thing, this was a great episode. The fights were insane. Um, but we do get Drake. Gambit and Rogue becoming a thing. No, and like, not not the worst part. Oh, this is the most adorable thing in the world. And I know adorable. there's like issues there. Her her putting her hand over his mouth and kissing her hand because they can't kiss and saying I hate you. <laughs> Which I would say I don't is want to tell you how many times teenage and twenty year old Mike used that move. Ninety percent of the time, my I love you, I know Han Solo that other people have done. Ninety percent of the time, me and Mike have kissed. It's been with my hand over his mouth. <laughs> and then we both say, I hate you. And I never got it until this moment, and I'm glad that I finally understand this this joke you guys have. But this fucking finale... Uh, yes, joke. Uh, real quick, the finale is Beast is free. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Gene and Scott are engaged. Oh, and oh, come shit. on. Fuck Scott here, because he just goes, I've been wondering, will you marry me? Like, just such a... <laughs> so league, casual. Like, dude, oh. I know you, like, you got through this fight, but let the, let, let, let the adrenaline rush out of your body that'll plan this proposal and then uh cassie i don't know if this means anything to you the very 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 last thing that we hear which is (laughs) sinister is ready is that anything it it didn't for me but i was excited for to hear that voice for hopefully a whole season because mike did you hear ryan and i uh through the miles cassie just to hear two people going oh (laughs) yeah i knew (laughs) i knew you guys were running around screaming so i was like well i'll get the full rundown on this because, Mike, there's never been an MCU version or a no. Fox X-Men version of At Sinister. At most, we got a briefcase that said Sinister Enterprises or something. Sinister Enterprise. Yeah, that doesn't really do it. I, do you remember how this goes down? Do we don't have to get into this right now. Cause I remember so little, man. Me too. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all just in a freaking blender. The only, thing, uh, the only thing I remember from season two is a bunch of Savage Land time. There's a lot of Savage Land. There's uh, somebody I love is g- going to be in the show again. Renee? Uh, huh? <laughs> I'm fat, yes. so I burp and fart. <laughs> it's the blob. And uh, this guy, he's a villain, but in a way that a lot of real life dudes are villains. His issue is he is just obsessed with Scott and Gene. Mr. Oh. Sinister is just a weird, evil, violent stan of these two folks. <laughs> and oh, I, I do have to bring this up again. Uh, we talked about this when we first created our X-Men villain list. Are we going with Mr. Sinister? Or the correct way, Mr. Sinister. Do the, do, Mr. Does, Sinister. Mr. Sinister, do they rhyme? 
Yes, they run. Yeah. Okay, it's Mr. Yeah. Sinister. They have to. I mean, you need to figure out a punishment if you don't say it right. <laughs> Mr. Okay, Sinister. We do. It's time for the awards. And this is going to be the last awards for this first season. So it's a big one. We are going to, of course, start it off with MVP. Ryan, what do you have? I, I'm sorry, Cassie. How many fucking people did you see with a plane full of goddamn dynamite? <laughs> yeah. And sure, Magneto saved Professor X's life. But Professor, you 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 nailed it on the head, Cassie, when you said Professor X. That was not part of his plan. He was going to kill himself, Jesus, goddamn Christ style. Heard of him? I bet you have. Uh, <laughs> Professor X is the MVP of this episode. Yeah, it's hard to deny that. I also have him because uh, it was insane. How could it not be? Uh, Mike, what do you have for MVP? Uh, we've shat on him all season, and I want to give this one to him. Uh, he goes where he wants to go, and he finally he tries to save even the teammate he hates the most and ends up shirtless. Uh, Wolverine not only will jump over every scent on the laser, he will give a sexual uh, every time and then and then rip his shirt off. And for that, and for just that pile, you know Gambit took out one sentinel's knees, and Wolverine killed 14 of the sentinels. Uh, oh, yeah. I think he gets it this one. In those flashes alone, like it was like a '80s like music video where he was shirtless, slashing them. The lights mm-hmm. were going off. It was insane. With the fan um, blowing his mane behind him. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is a great one. I am gonna give that to Ryan though, because it's gotta be when. Yeah. When has he come through that much? T N T. L V P. Mike, what do you got for this? Look, I know he did Look. save Professor X. But Magneto could have done so much more because these weren't all the plastic sentinels. But instead, he just said, you're all heroes, didn't do shit, and then just saved his enemy. Magneto's the LVP. <laughs> he did. He gave them that touching send-off, though. So does that not... That they didn't any- hear. <laughs> he muttered but- it to himself. <laughs> I do. I, I have him as well because it was... I don't even know how he got to the island. I guess he had to fly there. We got no explanation as to how he, he ended up there. He still went. He flew coach. It did not help. It, it stood back. It was unreal. I have no explanation for it. Uh, Ryan, what do you have for LVP? Uh, I'm going to say the Sentinels, but that's a little broad. So I'm going to pick out a specific spot where it's dark. The room is only, the cave is only lit by the shots of their laser guns. But Wolverine is able to jump two or maybe three inches into the air to avoid them. If the Sentinels lifted their hand up a little bit, they would have <laughs> yeah. blown Wolverine's goddamn head off. But they choose to shoot at the ground, and all Wolverine has to do is go. Hip. They were they were distracted by his sexual groans. Yeah, no, his <laughs> that shirt came off. Literally every time he jumped, it was just a. <sighs> just Cassie, just so you know, for future reference, every time you see Mike shirtless, that means he just saved a friend. Okay, it's nothing weirder yeah. than that. For sure. It is hard to argue with that because, I mean, there was a lot of Sentinels and they all got destroyed very easily. There was no, like, Jubilee took one out. So it's hard to argue that they can't be the LVP when Jubilee got one. Oh, God, I'm going to have to give Ryan that one. Our next uh, word is... Jubilee got Tubilee. It was not yes, one. It was two. Get Tubilee. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Our next word, best use of power. Ryan, what do you got for this? It's motherfucking Jubilee and I'm going with the tar. No. I'm going with the tar. <laughs> She covers uh, uh, a sentinel covered in tar with the use of hand fireworks, her only power. And you know what? We're at the end of the season. I'm feeling, I don't know, I'm feeling like in the giving mood. I, I want to throw her a uh, schnickel so she can go buy a Christmas goose for all of us. It's Jubilee. You are a fool. Mike, what do you have for this? Uh, the Storm Award, it's Storm. At a certain point, everybody is struggling with a sentinel, and she just turns on her wind power. 
And double wind powers because she blows four sentinels into a metal fan and they all get blended uh, into little yeah. sentinel pieces. Storm is the Steph Curry of the X-Men. At any point in a fight, Storm is like, what are we, losing by 30? Uh, all right, I'll try, I guess. And then just <laughs> ends the fucking fight. Uh. For best use of power, I do have Master Mold gaining sentience and breaking down racism because, wow, what a hero. <laughs> what an absolute hero for that one. But, uh, Mike, we all season it was the Storm Award. I feel like for this final one, I got to stay true to that. I'll give that award to you. No, yeah, every once uh, in a while, we have to continue to award Mike for his unoriginality. I think that's a good call, Cassie. <laughs> well, it's just Storm is so powerful. It's hard to deny. Um, next award, best gasp line. Mike, what do you got for it? Uh, when Magneto first wakes up, he tells them instantly, pursuing peace is worthless. And then they do another all standing up. And it's when Wolverine says, I'm with you, Psych. Because Cyclops like is like, no, here's why peace is the way. And Wolverine saying he's with Cyclops on anything, literal gasp. <laughs> <laughs> he was going where they wanted him to go, and it was insane. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, what do you got for this? Uh, it was Gyrick or one of these humans, and they were like, hey, can we just shut Master Mold down? Can we just unplug him again like we did halfway through the first season? And the guy, he looks in the camera, he's like, no, he's made thousands, thousands! <laughs> and I gasp because thousands, that's a lot of Sentinels. But double thousands, man? Unreal. Uh, yeah, if he had said 1,000, that would have been fine. That's fine. not thousands, yeah. so whatever. <laughs> Uh, I have for this when Jean Grey brought up her legitimate reason for not wanting to have children because it would be a hard life for them. And Cyclops <laughs> responding would just like, well, I'd love to have kids. I don't care. Let's make their life a living hell. I was like, what? And they just went with it. That was the conversation. That is the exact conversation Ryan and his wife had. <laughs> the best part about that, too, is that Cyclops thought that was such a baller fucking thing to say that he slowly, yeah. coolly took off his glasses and then just blew Jean Grey's head right off. <laughs> Come on, Cyclops, think. Uh, Mike, I'm going to give that one to you. Our final award is... Wait, what was that? The best the gasp. gasp. No, yeah, uh, what was Wolverine my... saying, I'm with you, Psych. Gotcha. Yeah, the the whole trans the character transformation there was huge and you have to you got to applause it applause maybe it. May, I, I'm a, we we shit on Wolverine a lot and he's really sucked all season but maybe this whole season has been about him growing maybe next season we'll figure out why I was so obsessed with him as was the rest of the world and how do we know he how do we know he wasn't saying I'm going with you psych psych and then not going with him at all. <laughs> Well, if so, then that's just a good joke, and I'm still I'm so proud of him. It's just fucking classic comedy. It's, it's classic. All right, final award, most '90s thing. Ryan, what do you got for this? I know we've hit on it a lot, but this is how the '90s was, folks. Replace his brain with a yes. computer. All you know about computers is that if you take out somebody's brain and you replace it with a computer, like, do you just have a computer lying around? I don't know. Uh, put like tape a plug to an abacus and throw that in the brain. It doesn't matter. That's a computer. They're a robot and we control them. Replace his brain with a computer is uh, fill it with AOL discs that you got at a blockbuster video. Like that's it, no. This is the most nineties moment. They open their mouth and the discs just shoot out as a weapon. <laughs> it's a very strong one, Mike. What do you have? It's the only one, Cassie. It's the, <laughs> it's only, the only one. one. <laughs> it is t- 
take Senator's Kelly's brain and replace it with a computer. A computer. It is, it's obviously the one that's going to win. I do have also uh, Henry's giant ass flip phone. For some reason, they thought the futuristic <laughs> version or the high tech one was just a bigger flip phone. Like it's the size of a Hell tablet yeah. and it flips open. <laughs> it blew my mind, but it is for sure. It's got to be uh, a computer. I do want to bring I'm, up real quick, though. Uh, if we had an 80s moment, uh, Henry Gyrick gets like, uh, he's driving in a car and it gets attacked and then he pulls out a gun. And out of the gun comes pink lasers from uh-huh. like from G.I. Joe. That like why is that there's this gun that in all cartoons that just shoots bright pink adorable lasers out like well, they can't show bullets on children's shows, Ryan. Just in children's school. I, I think oh. that Gyrick is stealing from the X Men and G.I. Joe all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys. The final awards of the first season of X Men. Are you ready for this? I, I came up big. I got no points for myself. That sounds about right for this first season. I'm learning here. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I love your support. Mike, you got two points, and Ryan Ryan came home with three. Oh, shit. You guys had a chance to win last week, but now Ryan is home. Daddy is Ryan. back, baby. Ew. Gross. Father Gross. Papa. Daddy. Father Papa is here to reign. Ryan, I am going to, like, we are out of time, and I'm going to still have you talk. I'm going to have you tell me about some other shows. Yes, if you would like to listen to other shows that have me. If you're like, uh, not enough Ryan on this one, please subscribe, download, rate, and review Movie of the Year, a show where me and Mike fight our best friend Greg on what is the best given movie of any given year. And then, of course, on Natural 20s, where Cassie talks to non-Mike and non-Ryan about things that are not superhero television based. Rate, (laughs) review, and subscribe to the movie of the year and the unnatural 20s. And Mike, can you tell me about some websites? Yourpopfilter.com is where you can go to get everything. Hold up, hold up. Stop, stop, stop. Put out. You're doing this to the tune of Mario Brothers? Yourpopfilter.com is. (laughs) Yes. If you could just. You can go to get all the articles, podcasts, and then go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon too. I don't know the rest. Shop that way. Uh, and then go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. I'm trying to do the do 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 do. I don't know if I'm, I'm hitting it correctly. Uh, patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Because uh, yourpopfilter.com actually does not have everything we do. Uh, throw us a little support and, and get all kinds of extra tent. Uh, other websites you can go to. Our wordspace.com I've heard is going to be good once yes. cybersprout.net helps yeah. out. And then uh, piece of shit.biz. We don't know what it's doing yet, but it's out there. It's real. Uh, <laughs> those are the websites. And hey, Mike, is there anything Thank else you, you want to say? I'm fat, so I burp and fart. Oh, of course. <laughs> okay. Of course, Mike. <laughs> uh, Ryan, can you tell us about social media? Yes. Social media, if you want more of this, but less of our voices, just our words and pictures. Just our wittiness. <laughs> Follow us cunning. at Your Pop Filter on Instagram and at Your Pop Filter on Twitter. We've also got an email if you want to reach out that way. It's contact at Your Pop Filter. Uh, just yell with us. like Share your joy about X-Men because we're loving it currently. We're also loving WandaVision. Just come there. Scream your joy at us. Uh, next week, we have a big episode because it is going to be... The series finale of Sabrina, so Ryan and I are going to jump back on for that. We also got Snowpiercer returning and Pulp oh, Pop shit. Filter Hall of Fame, Alan Tudyk stars in Resident Alien. 
And I'm pumped. I'm pumped for Resident <laughs> Alien. I'm sorry, but I've seen the the cheesy ass commercials and I'm pumped. It's got to be. It's going to be so good. Uh, and finally, we're going to do a wrap up of the first season of X Men, the animated series. So be sure to tune in for that. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For me, I am me. Bye, everyone. I'm fat, so I burp. Fo-